Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. This week's episode about the book Atlas of the Heart by the formidable Dr. Brene Brown. Keep listening to find out why you're doing emotions all wrong. Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week it is a bit of a big one. It is Atlas of the Heart, a book that came out late last year. I think it was mid-December, maybe last year, 2021, and had a lot of people very excited on Brene's latest book because I know there's a lot of Brene super fans out there. I'm also a huge fan of her work, the way she operates, the way she shows up in the world. So yeah, I was very excited about this book as well. I know it's also one that some people have found slightly intimidating to maybe start because it is a big chunky book and it is very deep and in-depth book as well. So I'm going to talk about all of that and who should read it, how you should read it, and I've got some tips for you on that. I read it over the Christmas break and I uh, am definitely a better human for reading it. There is reason number one for you to read this book. It does make you a better human. And as we go through this episode, I'll tell you what else I really liked and appreciated about this book as well. So I know this is an episode a few of you have been asking me to do because you have either picked up the book but haven't had a chance to start reading it yet or, as I said, are a bit nervous about getting into it. So hopefully this will set you on the path to pick it up and really start to absorb some of the fascinating research that is in this book. Anyway, before we get into that, a little thank you if you are already part of my Patreon membership community. I started a Patreon for this podcast to avoid having to do ads because no one needs more ads in their podcasts. I certainly don't enjoy that when I'm listening to other podcasts. So if you do want to support the podcast to keep it ad free, then I would very much appreciate you doing that. You can do so by clicking on the link at the top of the show notes, signing up and you get bonus content as well, not just good feels. You get two bonus episodes, a episode where I share something related to books. So this month it was the five best leadership books. I did a little episode on that. And there's also going to be an interview each month as well, where I talk to authors, readers, thinkers, creatives about how they read and what reading means to them and some top tips and things along the way. So if that sounds great, then head on over to the Patreon link and support the podcast. All right, let's get into this book because I know you're excited about it. So I'm going to tell you about the book, I'm going to tell you about the author, as if she needs any introduction, and then we'll get into the three big ideas, as usual, on the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. About the book, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. If we want to find the way back to ourselves and one another, we need language and the grounded confidence to both tell our stories and to be stewards of the stories that we hear. In Atlas of the Heart, we explore 87 of the emotions and experiences that define what it means to be human and walk through a new framework for cultivating meaningful connection. This is for the map makers and travellers in all of us. Dr. Brene Brown is a research professor for the University of Houston, where she holds the Huffington Foundation Endowed Chair at the Graduate College of Social Work. Brene is also a visiting professor in management at the University of Texas at Austin McComb School of Business. She has spent the last two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame and empathy, is the author of six number one New York Times bestsellers and is the host of the weekly Spotify original podcast Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. Brene's books have been translated into more than 30 languages and her titles include Atlas of the Heart, Dare to Lead, which I did talk about right at the beginning of this podcast. I think it was episode two or three. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes if you haven't listened to that one yet. Braving the Wilderness, Rising Strong, Daring Greatly and The Gifts of Imperfection. With Tarana Burke, she co-edited the best-selling anthology You Are Your Best Thing, Vulnerability, Shame, Resilience and The Black Experience. 
Her TED Talk on the power of vulnerability is one of the top five most viewed TED Talks in the world with over 50 million views. She's also the first researcher to have filmed a lecture on Netflix. The Call to Courage special debuted on the streaming service in April 2019. Brene lives in Houston, Texas with her husband, Steve, and they have two children, Ellen and Charlie. All of those blurbs are taken from Brene's website, brenebrown.com, which I regularly send people to to look at the resources and find reading and inspiration on everything from leadership to empathy to courage and really everything in between. So recommend heading over there anyway to check out Brene's work. All right, let's get into the three big ideas from the book Atlas of the Heart. Big idea number one, we need to start feeling. Most of us don't fully feel. We numb, we avoid, we deflect and we do anything to not feel painful or uncomfortable feelings and remain in control. But when we start feeling our feelings, we need to do a lot of work to reevaluate ourselves, to reset boundaries, choose ourselves over others' comfort all the time. Ultimately, we can't outrun it. We can't outrun our feelings. At one point, they will catch up with us. We need to be able to hold people accountable for their hurtful behaviour. And when we don't understand the link between thoughts and behaviour, we're more and more disconnected from each other, which Brene talks about definitely in the context of what's happening in the world at the moment. There is a lot of disconnection because we've lost the ability to see things from a different point of view, to extend empathy, to connect and to have the courage to have some uncomfortable conversations. But to do any of this successfully, we need language. We need language in order to open up the conversations. Most people, unfortunately, though, can only recognize kind of three big emotions, something around mad, sad and glad. She talks about this also in her some of her earlier work, but it comes out a lot more in this book as well. So we're only really accessing a tiny slice of what it means to be human and accessing these complex and more diff- and different emotions. The more emotions that we can see in ourselves and others, the wider and better the conversations we can have. It gives power to the conversations that we can have. In the introduction of the book, Brene shares some of her childhood story and how she came, became hyper aware of other people's emotions from a really young age. I would say that the book is almost worth reading for that section alone. It is so eye-opening. There was a lot of stuff that really resonated with me. Different contexts, but similar, similar experiences in some ways as well. There was so much that was just really powerful and such a good summary of the the, almost the state of the nation or the state of the world probably in many ways on certainly the western world anyway around how we access talk about feelings emotions and connect with each other or don't connect with each other around these things so the first section of the book for any leader for anyone in any kind of group or community or setting be it a family be it in workplace be it some kind of other organization or community group you're part of 100% worth reading just that section around the impact of feelings and emotions and our lack of access to them on our relationships with each other and then at an even bigger level or on a societal level as well so that's big idea number one we need to start feeling Big idea number two is the categories of emotions. And this is slightly meta in terms of what, how it comes up in the book. The book is structured into groups of emotions. I'm going to go through them. There are 13 of them, so bear with me. It's the places we go when things are uncertain. The places we go when we compare. The places we go when things don't go as planned. Places we go when it's beyond us. Places we go when things aren't what they seem. Places we go when we're hurting. Places we go with others. Places we go when we fall short. Places we go when we search for connection. Places we go when the heart is open. Places we go when life is good. Places we go when we feel wronged. And places we go to self-assess. So all of those have several different emotions that sit within them. And some of them are a mix of 
what we would commonly call positive and negative emotions. I know a lot of people or certainly people working in this field don't use the term positive and negative emotions because they're very much more information based. But you know, what a lot of us would deem comfortable and less comfortable emotions, let's say. So something like number seven, which is places we go with others, includes things like compassion, but it also includes things like pity, which is less of a positive emotion. Within these groups, like I said, there's these clusters of emotions and each emotion is then broken down to cover how it shows up in our bodies, the kind of biology of the emotion and why that is. Why we should get curious about how the families and communities shape our beliefs around the connection between feelings, thoughts and behaviours. So it's the biography, she calls that, of the of the emotion. Also, each emotion gives information on how to examine our go-to behaviours and recognising the context of what we're feeling or thinking. And then also thinking about what brought that on, so the backstory of each emotion as well, what that means for us or the backstory of that emotion for us, from our childhood, from a work experience, whatever it happens to be. So each of the emotions, like I said, has all of that different information on it, the biology, the background, the behaviours and the backstory. And also gives examples and the dangers maybe of some of the different types of emotions, either using them or overusing them. So, for example, there's a piece in the book or one of the emotions covered in the sections is around schadenfreude. So getting joy from someone else's misery, basically, at a very high level. And she talks about the, the danger of basing relationships on schadenfreude. So if you work in a team and you're all a bit secretly happy and gossip, if something bad happens to someone in particular, the dangers of having a relationship that's based on the downfall of someone else which when you think about it you're like oh gosh yeah I have been in that situation before and that probably wasn't a great basis of a relationship and I'm including the categorization here as one of the big ideas because it's a really interesting way of thinking about the relationship of different emotions and how they appear or don't appear in certain situations and I think in some ways this is one of the most powerful parts of the book is being able to categorize the emotions in this way and put them in these little families or clusters of emotions in terms of how then when they show up and why that is important in terms of our knowledge and our ability to access and define those emotions most importantly. So that's big idea number two, the categories of emotions. Big idea number three is the confused emotions. So there's lots of examples in the book and too many to mention just in this podcast around emotions that often get confused with each other. So things like the difference between stressed and overwhelmed, jealousy and envy, or resentments linked to envy and not anger. Brené shares a really interesting conversation she had with Mark Brackett, who is uh, also an emotions researcher whose book, Permission to Feel, I talked about a few months ago now, talks about how she asked him the, about the relationship to, of resentment to anger. And he said, oh no, resentment is actually linked to envy. And for her, that was such a game changer when she then understood that the reason she sometimes felt resentful or bitter towards someone is because they maybe had boundaries that she was envious of because she didn't have those so if someone was able to say go home be like oh well I'm done for the day we didn't get everything finished that's you know that's just how things are going she would really resent that person or had in the past had resented those people because she couldn't put those boundaries in place so really it was she felt what she thought she felt was anger but really it's envy and I thought that was very very interesting and for you you might think well of course those two things are related and I didn't think that was as big a jump as as she obviously did but there's a lot there was other ones in here I thought oh I've actually never thought of them as being distinctly different or what the distinct difference was between those two particular emotions jealousy and envy was a, as a good example of that one of the other examples in the book was how disappointed regretful discouraged resigned and frustrated are all related but also the subtleties and the nuance between them so I'll read that one out in case it's useful or interesting so disappointed is it didn't work out how I wanted and I believe the outcome was outside of my control so that's really really important the outcome was 
outside of your control. Regretful is it didn't work out how I wanted and the outcome was caused by my decisions, actions or failure to act. So you didn't study hard enough, you slacked off, whatever it happens to be. Discouraged is I'm losing my confidence and enthusiasm around any future effort. So you're losing the motivation and confidence to persist. Resigned is where you've lost your confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort and you've lost the motivation and confidence to persist. So you've already lost that. So discouraged, you're losing it. Resigned, you've lost it. And then frustrated is something that feels out of my control is preventing me from achieving my desired outcome. So frustration, they, she says in the book, is sometimes overlaps with anger. Both result when a desired outcome is blocked. But the main difference is that with frustration, you don't think you can fix the situation, whereas anger, you feel like there is something you can do. So again, like just all these subtle nuances between the different emotions and things that, again, if you've just got access to this mad, sad and glad, you might bunch all of those into mad. But actually, there are really distinct differences in why those emotions are showing up as those emotions and then being able to then have a better conversation because the, the conversation you might have someone who's feeling disappointed when they felt like the outcome was outside of their control versus the conversation you could have with someone who was able to identify as feeling frustrated are quite different conversations and therefore quite different potential outcomes quite different levels of empathy you might want to extend as well or you maybe need to access to have those conversations different questions all of those different things so super interesting for this reason, this book to me is an absolute go-to resource for labeling, demystifying and defining the emotions and seeing where those lines are blurred and our actions and behaviors might be too. Because if we don't understand the emotion, we're probably behaving in ways that are unhelpful in many ways. This also links to the idea that she talks about in the book around near and far enemies. And this confusion between emotions means that we sometimes we mix these up. So it's an important basis for a meaningful connection is knowing what those near and far enemies are. So an example of this would be a near enemy of compassion is pity. And it's an enemy because pity is not very healthy emotion. A far enemy of compassion is cruelty. So far enemies are usually easier to identify because it's the polar opposite in most, in many cases. So it probably is no surprise to you that compassion and cruelty are far enemies of each other. So that would be one of them. But meaningful connection requires grounded confidence and a mindset of learning and improving. Now, grounded confidence in itself has a near enemy and a far enemy. The near enemy of grounded confidence is knowing and proving, which might sound familiar if you're familiar with the work on Dare to Lead around the difference between courageous leadership and or daring leadership and leadership through fear. Then you'll, you'll be familiar with this idea of knowing and proving. And then the far enemy of grounded confidence is protecting your fragile self-worth. So the near enemy of grounded confidence, knowing and proving. The far enemy of grounded confidence, protecting your fragile self-worth. Super interesting. Ultimately, all of this is a journey. It's based in reflection, curiosity, empathy, mistakes, a lot of discomfort, and really a lifetime of work. This is not something that you're going to read the book, close it at the end and be like, great, all right, I'm a fully fledged capable, emotionally competent human. This is absolutely a lifetime of work and things that we will definitely all slip up on, even with this new knowledge. And some of the work that Brene talks about, her own examples where she's failed at some of this stuff, that her own examples where she has improved over the years, where her understanding has improved or moved on, etc., is is really useful to actually bring this all to life and start to think about how you could apply some of the lessons from this in your own life as well. So let's begin idea number three, the confused emotions. So again, three big ideas from the book, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Big idea number one, we need to start feeling. Big idea number two, the categories of emotions. And big idea number three, the confused emotions. 
I read this book on my Kindle. I immediately regretted that decision, <laughs> though I do really enjoy reading on my Kindle. It meant I could leave lots of bookmarks and highlights and things. So I did use, find that useful for going back to. But I almost immediately bought the hard copy because this is something I actually want to be able to turn to. I want to be able to send photos of the pages to clients sometimes, or I want to be able to take it out to workshops and allow people to to read from it or to, to pick it up, actually use it in workshops as well, particularly when I'm talking to teams about how emotions are showing up in their teams and some of the leadership traits of these different emotions or how they show up in people we're working with. So this is absolutely something you will probably want, at least one, maybe even more hard copy versions of, especially if you are a leader or you're doing that kind of work in a facilitator or leadership development type context or even in your family units as well I think again there's a really useful need to have a hard copy to put your hands on and just pull out at those critical moments it's also a book that I did read as as narrative and I just kept reading it I would also probably recommend a bit of a do as I say not do as I do so it's probably not the best way to read it I'd say read it in chunks because you've got these helpful sections around the different clusters of emotions you can read a little cluster or read one or two emotions before bed or whatever it is or at the beginning of your day with your coffee and then put it down move on read something else I think something like this given it's very dense in terms of the information as Brene's books often are it's you can potentially lose something by trying to cram and read it all in one go so I think being able to pick it up put it down come back to it reflect on it etc is possibly a better way of reading it but again if you've got a copy that you can then refer back to obviously that's useful as well because you can then go back and reflect on those at different times so there we go, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. If you have already read this one, I would love to hear what you thought. What were your big aha moments? What were your confused emotions that you realised were completely different to what you thought it was? You can get in touch using the usual channels of LinkedIn or Instagram. Links are in the show notes at the bottom. Really keen to hear what you thought of this one because there's so much to unpack in a book like this. If you want to hear more about the books I'm reading, the podcasts I'm listening to, then you can sign up to the bookmark newsletter, again, using the link that is in the show notes for your twice a monthly dispatch that will land in your inbox on a Tuesday afternoon on all the things that I can't fit into these little episodes. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.